We're going to be praying against strongholds, against the work here, and praying God's anointing upon um, all that happens in this place of ministry. And if you'd like to, to join us, we'd love for you to be here. Matthew chapter 5, when you begin to look at this passage, it's, it's quite clear that something big is getting ready to happen or getting ready to be said. We have two clues that tell us that whatever Jesus is going to say is extremely important. First of all, it says that he sat down, and that was a sign in, in Jesus' day that when a rabbi was going to teach in an official manner, he would be seated. Sure, they would teach in so many ways. You could see them talking along the roads with their students. But when a disciple, when a rabbi would sit down, you knew. It was kind of like someone coming to this podium. This is official. And then secondly, we read here in the NIV, it says, when he began to teach them, literally translated, when he opened his mouth, which was a phrase in the Greek language, that was, that was a common phrase that was used. It wasn't just he started speaking, but that was the way of saying a, a, a very dignified speech or dignified utterance was about to begin what they would call a, an oracle. It'd be something like, hear ye, hear ye. So, oh, well, we better listen to this. Or when the preacher comes up and says, good morning, church. You know it's going to be a, a dignified utterance. What's funny <laughs> and then you keep reading in the next three chapters and you realize why such an introduction is given as, as we're led into this incredible sermon popularly known of as the Sermon on the Mount, which is the, the longest recorded teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. It's, it's often called the, the King's Manifesto, the Magna Carta of Christianity, the core teaching of Jesus on discipleship. And so just like any introduction to, to a preacher is important, so the, this prelude that we have here to the Sermon on the Mount, popularly called the Beatitudes, this is equally important. It lays the foundation for what Jesus is going to say in this incredible sermon. And so for the next nine Sundays, including today, we're going to look exclusively at the Beatitudes. Today will be an introduction where we're going to look at the Beatitudes as a whole. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
But Jesus thought it appropriate to be seated during this sermon, so I decided to do the same for this series. When my son Jonathan was a teenager, he played soccer. And unlike all of his hockey coaches in the Czech Republic, his soccer coach was a very nice coach, which a nice coach does not always equate to a winning coach. And the objective of this coach, it wasn't to win. He didn't want the boys to be all obsessed over the competition of winning or losing. He just wanted the boys to have fun. And so he was, he was an incredible encourager. His goal was to build them up and to build them up in character. And so you'd be at a game as a parent would be at a game. And I don't care how badly things were going. I don't care how miserably they would be playing. The coach would be just clapping them along and say, way to go, guys. And one of the, one of the boys, maybe my son Jonathan and one of the other players, he would, he would just blunder on the field and just do something you shouldn't do when you're playing soccer, and then it was time for him to sub out. And as he would come running out, the coach would just clap and say, way to go, Jonathan, great job. And I'm sitting there going, great job. Did you not just see what he did? (laughs) You need to get in his face. You need to grit your teeth, and you need to do a little yelling. That's how you build character. And at the end of the game, after they would lose, that was great, guys. So proud of you. And I'm going, great. Like, proud of what? They lost. At the end of the season, they lost every single game. I'm not exaggerating. Every single game. But that didn't matter because they had fun. This probably sounds really shallow and unchristian of me, but I didn't have fun. (laughs) I have fun when I win. And I'm reading what's called the Beatitudes here. And at first glance, these words of Jesus that are spoken to his team of disciples, when you read it, it's like, Everything's falling apart. Everything is going miserably. And Jesus is saying, this is great. Aren't we so blessed? And I'm sitting there going, did you not just hear what you just said? What's there to be blessed about? Oh, those of you who are mourning, just, just, don't you just feel so good? Isn't this such a blessing as that? Usually when I'm mourning, I, I don't feel good. Those of you who are being persecuted, those of you who are being whipped and beaten and tortured and mocked, aren't aren't we having fun? I'm thinking, this is not what fun feels like. Oh, no, but what a blessing to be poor. What a blessing to be hungry. What a blessing to be thirsty. And I'm thinking, dude, what planet are you on? And the truth is, He's from a different planet. The teachings of Jesus belong to a different planet than the planet we belong on, we live on. The manifesto of our king and the principles of his kingdom, they're not of the kingdoms of this earth. 
but of the kingdom of heaven. And that's a primary theme here in the Beatitudes. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a fantastic, he's, he's died in the 80s, but he's a British theologian. He has a big old thick book on the Sermon on the Mount of the Beatitudes. He says these words, these descriptions indicate clearly, perhaps more clearly than anything else in the entire realm of scripture, the essential utter difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. That's what we see here. And as you look at these eight characteristics which describe life in the kingdom of God, it's, Bob and I were talking, it's like a subversive. It's just all upside down. In, the, in these Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus contradicts all worldly values and human judgments and the national expectations of the day of the kingdom of God. The teachings of Jesus give us a Christian value system, an ethical standard, a religious devotion. You see this in the Sermon on the Mount, an attitude towards money, an ambition, a lifestyle, and a relationship which is just totally at variance with all that we see in our non-Christian world. And it's here in the Beatitudes, the kingdom is given not to the rich, but to the poor. The kingdom is given not to those who hunger for fame or fortune or success, but those who hunger for righteousness. The kingdom is given not to those who have the strongest armor, or the strongest swords, or the biggest tanks, but to the to the meek. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us those that we would say are the least. Jesus says, oh no, those are the greatest. That humble servant, that's the exalted one. And so much of what our world would say, now that's success, that's winning. Jesus is saying, no, no. That's losing. And so much of what our world would say are marks of a loser, Jesus would say, no, those are marks of one who is blessed. And that's a word that's repeated nine times in this passage that means well off, fortunate, or very blessed. Our world has defined and is seeking happiness in ways that are contrary to where our creator tells us it's found therefore it should be no surprise when we read the paper and listen to the radio and watch the news and we hear about the rates of suicide in our nation in our state in our city and we hear about financial crises and the, the collapse of families and we hear of the crime and the five people in in um I don't remember the city in Texas that were killed last night or yesterday and the chaos and the conflicts So many of us are so unhappy. The Washington Post recently reported on a survey. They, they, they were surveying and all of the research that came up with the, the happiest countries in the world. And of course it would be America, but it's not. Actually America ranks as one of the lower on the totem poles of those that are, that are happy. We're not that happy of a nation. As a matter of fact, three years in a row it says we have decreased in those rankings. The title of the article is interesting. It's Americans are the unhappiest they've ever been. UN report finds an epidemic of addictions could be to blame. 
this brokenness and this sadness that we see in so many aspects of our society and sadly even in the church it's a result of having lost sight of where true happiness and blessings are found and the added the answer is found here in the teachings of Christ Jesus our creator the one who made us the one who knows how we work who knows us best and so we want to spend eight Sundays together discovering and rediscovering what it means to be well off truly what it means to be blessed what the true source of happiness is, how to find recovery and restoration and blessedness. And it's here in the Beatitudes, a word taken from Latin, which means a perfect state of bliss or happiness. Now, I want you to know, I didn't just randomly go, well, what are we going to do next? We just finished Leviticus, let's do the Beatitudes. It wasn't by random choice or decision on my part for us to study this together, but rather it's part of a larger vision and a larger dream that the leadership of this church is considering. A couple of weeks ago on a Saturday, your shepherds and the ministry staff came together for an extensive time of prayer, and our primary prayer was, God, what's your vision for our family here? Where are you leading us? And so after this time of prayer, we then it was a good, long, it was a beautiful time of prayer. Flowing out of this prayer, we then began to discuss what we believed was the direction God was leading us in. And there were a lot of different ideas and thoughts that were given, but there was one theme that was very dominant. It was said in different ways, but it was basically all of them were saying the same thing. And I was the one taking notes. And so I just pasted in the notes here into my pages here of quotes that were made about where they believe God was wanting this, this church family to go. And I quote, we need to expand community outreach. We need to become a more diverse and inclusive body to be comfortable with anyone walking into the building. We need to work with those suffering from addictions. We need a greater commitment of members to evangelism. We need to move to congregational diversity which matches our community where all feel loved and that is God-honoring. We need to continue outreach to the marginalized, build a culture of inviting people to our assemblies and life groups, helping those who have been hurt in our church culture. We need to be a safe place for people to bring their messes. There's a whole lot more that was said. But did you kind of feel the the similarity of those statements. And all of that is, is related to our elders who have been, they've been praying and dreaming and considering a, a vision into the future. It's a national ministry that's known of as Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a, is a Christian ministry and it takes the 12-step program of the AA movement, Alcoholics Anonymous basically, and adapts it to a Christian model and it roots it in scripture. And if you look at it, and I can't, I'm not sure, more than 20 years, um, 25 years perhaps it's been going. It's an incredible program that has been an effective tool of, of healing, of reaching out to the broken and the hurting in the community and the broken and the hurting in the church body and restoring thousands and thousands and thousands of lives and not only reaching out to others, but it's breathing a life of, of evangelism 
and of healing and diversity into local churches who have this ministry. And while we at this point, we don't have a concrete time frame and a concrete plan, this is what we're doing and this is, where we're, this is when it's going to be, we just decided let's take fall, steps forward in that direction, steps by faith. God, we don't completely understand it all, but we're going to take steps forward into consideration of this vision. And so we already have two small groups in place. They're beautiful. They're meeting regularly, the, the, um, focused on recovery and and support and healing. Next Sunday, we've invited two guest speakers from Woodland Park who serve as the national directors of Celebrate Recovery. Their names are Mac and Mary Owen. Some of us know them because they used to live in Louisiana where some of us knew them from there. Some of us know Mac and Mary because Mac and Mary are actually the biological parents of one of the former members of ours, Heath Arthur. Mac and Mary are going to be with us next Sunday in their assembly and they're going to share with us Jesus' model of reaching the marginalized. They're going to share with us their amazing story. They're going to interweave it into uh, what Mac will share from Scripture. They're, they're going to interweave um, their story of recovery. And they're going to share with us how God is using Celebrate Recovery in churches throughout the nation and what that could look like here. That's another step. Another forward step of faith we're taking in this, in this vision is to offer a Sunday school class. It started today. It's being taught by Bob Odell and Baruch Ray. It's entitled Life's Healing Choices. And what that class is doing is following a book called Life's Healing Choices. It takes the 12 steps from the AA program and it shows how it's following through the Beatitudes and it shows how that's all biblically based and it comes straight out of the Beatitudes. So I would encourage you to go to that class. I would encourage you to bring someone to that class. I would encourage you to, to buy that book as well. In tandem with this class, I'm going to be here in this assembly leading us in a, a series of lessons where we're going to look at each of the eight Beatitudes over an eight-Sunday period. The discussion guides that will be paired for your life groups, they will also be following the, the Beatitudes. And though we did not coordinate this, at our last ministry staff meeting, Laureen, who oversees our children's ministry, said, well, that's interesting. We're actually going to be studying the Beatitudes. We've already scheduled that in our children's ministry as well. And so that's going to be a major theme this fall. Now, one of the problems we have to deal with at the onset is that there are some of you are probably having this one particular thought right now. You hear the word recovery. When I say the word celebrate recovery, and you think, well, that's nice. I'm so glad they're doing that. But that's not for me. I'm not on heroin or crack. I'm not an alcoholic. You take a look at this book, Life's Healing Choices, and his subtitle is this, Freedom from Your Hurts, Your Hang-Ups, and Your Habits. You got any of those? You ever been hurt? You ever hurt someone? You're carrying that? You ever hurt yourself? Do you have any unhealthy habits or unhealthy hang-ups? Do you have a problem with overeating? Whoops. Thought he was going to stick to alcoholism. 
or under-eating? Do you struggle with your temper? Are you just quite consistently very rude? Is it not alcohol, but is it just gossip? A complaining or a critical spirit that just seems to have you enslaved? Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe it's here, a religious legalism. Maybe it's your finances. It's out of control. So what I'm really saying is, do you have sin in your, in your life? Do you struggle with that? Well, if you do, then this class we're having, that's for you. And this series will be for you. And if you say, no, I don't. We have a small group for you. It's not AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. We're calling it LA, Liars Anonymous. <laughs> you get the point, right? It's the point that Alan, one of my wise shepherds, said to me, I was coming from Mercy's Gate to um, a governance council meeting, and I was worn out emotionally with so many broken people that we were serving and praying with and hugging and, and hearing their stories, and I was just wiped out, and I sat down at the uh, conference room, with, and I looked at Alan, and I said, man, there are just some messed up people in this world. And he said, aren't we all? All of us are on the spectrum of sin and dysfunction, just at different places. We all need help. We all need hope. We all need freedom in, in, in various ways. So I want to ask that you join us, invite others to participate as we take steps of faith forward towards a vision of us bringing to a greater degree hope and healing to our church body hope and healing to our community. My son, I guess you would know, he, he never became a professional, world-famous soccer player. But looking back on it, I think he did learn something valuable from that very nice coach. I think he learned that there's something more important than winning a soccer game. I can't remember. I, I know I shared this story with our PPCS teachers, administrators. If I shared it here, just pretend like you're here for the first time. But Jonathan was pursuing a path through high school and into college, which by the time he was finished, it would position him in such a way that we would all stand back and say, wow. You are something else. You have everything. And in his senior year of college, after having read Diedrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, he came to me and he said, Dad, I, I've made a career change. I, I, I'm going to do something else. And I said, well, Why? He said, I, I don't want to wake up when I'm 70 rich, but empty. I don't know what it's going to look like yet, Dad, but I, I, want, to, I want to go into ministry. 
And so he went down that path. And five years later, he ended up in Saginaw, Texas as the middle school teacher. That's where he is today. And the world would look at that and say, where is Saginaw? The world would look at that and say, middle school teacher, who is that? The world would look at that and say, a teacher's salary, <laughs> what is that? Oh, but listen, you ought to call him and just say, tell me a little bit about what you do. And you can see his face light up even though you're not looking at him and you can just see his face light up as he's on his way to Saginaw's middle school. He found what Jesus defines as true happiness, true blessedness, and true greatness. My son, Jonathan, is, is, he's, he's well off. I know the world, it has its own set of beatitudes, right? Of where happiness and where greatness is found. But how's that working for us? We live in an affluent society giving us everything we need for happiness, don't we? We have money, we have clothes, we have nice houses, we have ability to travel, we have educational opportunities, we spend billions on recreation, we're surrounded by many opportunities to live out whatever our sensual desires crave. But research says we're not happy. Are you? An article I read some time ago in Christianity Today tells us that current statistics and research indicate that we as Americans are more depressed now than ever before. And this is also in the church. Not just them out there. Like, why? Because true happiness does not come from conforming to the world and following its model. But it's found in surrendering one's life to Jesus Christ. And being transformed into his, him, his image and becoming the person that God always intended for us to be. It's found in, in knowing and following the life and teachings of Christ. And the foundation of that, Jesus is preparing to teach in the Sermon on the Mount is all the teachings. The foundation of that is here in the Beatitudes. Regardless of your circumstances, Regardless of what has happened to you, regardless of what is happening to you, because of some bad choices you've made, or maybe because of some hurtful choices others have made, you and your situation can change. But it doesn't just, kind of like Jonathan was saying, it's not just boof, zap, doesn't happen like that. It's the result of choices you make. Life's healing choices. That's the journey we're going to take.
So as we go into our prayer time, I just want to ask you, what are, what are choices you need to make right now? I'm guessing the Holy Spirit, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you as I've been speaking. I think, I think that's not distracting. What are some changes you need to make in your life? What are areas in your life that you need to surrender to Christ? Maybe to surrender your life fully to him. You've yet to do that. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, we want to, to go into this time of prayer. And we're at a, we're at a great disadvantage because usually I say at this point, we're going to ask our elders to be available for prayer. We have one elder here. All the rest of them are out of town today. But we're all priests in the holy sanctuary of God. That's what scripture, that's what we learn in Leviticus. We're all called to intercede for one another. So as we begin to sing in a moment, I'm going to ask, let's, let's just spend some time. It may be quiet time in prayer by yourself. It may be you need someone to pray for you, reach out to them. Or it may be you know someone that needs your prayer and your hug. Let's stand together and go before God in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.